All right. Um, so this is a this is a, an older hymn um, that y'all will know uh, that I have not played many times on the guitar. So as always, I I beg your understanding. But uh, let's sing um, <clears throat> let's sing nothing but the blood together. Nothing but the blood of Jesus What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Oh, precious is the flow That makes me white as snow No other fount I know Nothing but the blood of Jesus We'll do verse 2 as well my pardon this I see nothing but the blood of Jesus for my cleansing this my plea nothing but the blood of Jesus oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fount I know nothing but the blood of Jesus Good. That's a good one. I uh, it w I was telling Eden, I, I laughed a little bit because I was looking up the lyrics to so we'll put them on the slide, because I knew most of them, but not the second verse. And it came up online as, um, nothing but the blood of Jesus by Carrie Underwood. And I went, pretty sure Carrie Underwood didn't write that song. She did a good rendition of it, but she didn't write it. She wasn't like, she's not like 250 years old, so seems unlikely to me. All right, I know we've done this one recently, but we'll, uh, very appropriate, I think, uh, and Puts you in a good frame of mind for um, taking the Lord's Supper. So we'll do How Deep the Father's Love together. As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory Behold the man upon a cross My sin upon his shoulders Ashamed I hear my mocking voice Call out among the scoffers it was my sin that held him there Until it was accomplished His dying breath has brought me life I know that it is finished I will not boast in anything 
no gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Amen. All right. Well, as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper this morning, to participate in the Lord's Supper, there's so much, so much church nomenclature associated with the Lord's Supper. I mean, we even can't decide as a church on what to call it, right? It's the Lord's Supper. It's communion. It's the breaking of bread. It's the Eucharist. Uh, you know, you, you, you pick, your, pick your name. But what we'll do is we'll just go back to Scripture and we'll read what Scripture has to say about it and sharing it together. And, uh, and then we'll do that. We'll, we'll share it together as commanded in Scripture. Um, so I think I, I realized when I handed Jeff my computer to have him put the slides up that I also handed him like all of my notes and verses. So I'll follow along the slides with you. But um, we'll, start in, we'll start in Matthew, Matthew 26. And... Um, the, we always go to uh, 1 Corinthians, typically, when we're talking about the Lord's Supper, because that's where the instructions are. That's where they were kind of laid out. Um, but Jesus definitely set the, the ground rules in, in um, the New Testament itself. And so in Matthew 26, we have the, the actual scene of the Lord's Supper, where we have the, the first Lord's Supper, if you will. And so if you, if you go to Matthew 26, and you start at verse 26, it's easy enough to remember, Matthew 26, 26. Um, we'll start with verse 26, and we'll read through verse 30. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And then in verse 30, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. That is an interesting note at the end, just that the, the singing of praise and of hymns has been part of the Lord's Supper since the very first time it was done. So we have some precedents for that as well. Uh, and then let's just look, I mean, you can look at all of the Gospels, obviously, for different renditions of this, but I think the other one I wanted to look at is Mark. Uh, yeah, Mark 14. So you flip just ahead a few pages to Mark 14 starting in verse 22. Same story. While they were eating, he took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to them and said, take it, this is my body. And when he'd taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So same story, almost verbatim. Mark has a tendency to be slightly more concise, um, but same, same details, same verbiage. So that's, that's where this, this ritual, if you will, of the Lord's Supper that we you know, participate, this is where it comes from. And I know you all know this, but the, the point of it and, and you know, what, what Jesus has said is to do this in remembrance. And so it's important that we take that time whenever we do it and we remember the reasons why. We remember the original uh, occurrence. Why did Jesus lay this down? Who did he do it with, right? What was the, the substance of what was done? And um, 
Jeff, you can go to the next slide. I think it was interesting to me um, just to, to realize that in, in John, uh, and there's, we could have listed dozens and dozens of references, but I, I told Dad I would keep this brief. Um, in John, Jesus is setting kind of the, this idea already well before we actually get to the Lord's Supper. So in John chapter 6, verse 52, it says, Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? It's very literal interpretations of what, uh, kind of like him destroying the temple and the other things that they struggled with, these, these analogies he was giving. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. And he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. It's referring to manna. He who eats this bread will live forever. And then the note at the end, these things he said in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. So I think it's, it's interesting to realize that, A, Jesus' message is very consistent, no surprise there, um, but also that he was really laying the groundwork for this particular idea, this idea of partaking of his body, partaking of his blood, and he, he, he created a real like, visceral, literal sense of this in the way that he talked about it. Um, and obviously, you know, as, as time went on, we understand we're not actually eating Jesus' body. That's, a, that's a, a concept that has gone through a whole bunch of theological issues over the years, but it's, a, it's something that's done in remembrance and to symbolize uh, you know, the salvation that comes from the sacrifice, sacrifice of his body and the covering of his blood. You can go to the next uh, slide, Jeff. And this is uh, from 1 Corinthians 10 as well, and I think, again, just kind of, kind of serves to show a little bit of the, the additional symbolism and additional purpose of uh, participating in the Lord's Supper. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 16, 17, is the cup of blessing which we bless not a sharing in the blood of Christ, is the bread which we break not a sharing in the body of Christ. Since there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. And just, again, bringing that piece together is something that we do as a body, right? This is not something that we do individually. This is something that's meant to be done in a group. It's communion that we take together. Uh, and scripture obviously refers to the gathering of ourselves together and how we do that. Okay, so let's turn to 1 Corinthians 11, where we have the instructions for um, taking communion or participating in the Lord's Supper. And I know we've spent many, many weeks together in this passage um, over the course of, of the last 25, 26, 27 years, and I'm sure it was taught for many years before we ever got here. Um, but, uh, but the Word of God is, is timeless, and not only that, I think you get a little something new out of it every time you jump into it. Uh, and when you're talking about something that's meant to be done, again, as an act of remembrance, it's important to go back and remember. So in, starting in verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. And I think if dad were here, he would say, anytime scripture repeats something, you're supposed to pay special attention to that, uh, as we've heard him say many, many times. So you have this in remembrance of me repeated multiple times in the space of three verses. It's trying to be very, very clear. Do this in remembrance of me. It's actually not 
rocket science, there's no special underlying meaning there. It says what it means, which is to do it in remembrance of Jesus. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord, so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that you will not come together for judgment. And it says, the remaining matters I will arrange when I come. I wish I knew what the remaining matters were, but they were not, not important enough to be in, in uh, the God-breathed scripture we've been given. Must have been specific to, to the Corinthian church. Um, so I, I think that, you know, as, as you go through this, obviously there's a, an enormous amount of study and, and uh, writings on this particular topic, and they dove very deep into these verses. Go study it, dig into it, right? It's always a good idea to do that for yourself. Um, but the key piece here is essentially what is the spirit with which you're entering into uh, communion? What is the, what, where, is, where is your heart? Where are you at, right? Do you have something that is between you and God that you need to deal with? Do you have something that's between you and your brother or your sister that you need to, that you need to deal with? Are you taking uh, communion? Are you, are you getting into this act of remembrance? Are you, are you participating in this process in the right spirit? Are you, are you right before God? That doesn't mean, are you perfect? We're, it's not going to work, right? Oh, I, was, I was going to take communion this morning, and then, and then you know, I, I cut off this guy on the freeway, and so now I have to abstain. Right? It just, that's not, we're not under the law anymore. And there's, you can see that as you go through these requirements for the Lord's Supper. If you look at the Old Testament feasts and the Old Testament rituals, they're very, very specific. You're going to do it this way, on this day, using these utensils, during this time period, this person's going to serve, these people are going to partake, these people won't partake, do this first, do this after. It's not like that. Right? You can go back and you can study Numbers and Exodus and everything else, and it's, it's there. Communion, the Lord's Supper, is not laid out that way. The guidelines are, frankly, fairly vague. It's, it, and even the time frame, it's, it's, you know, as often as you do this, right? Do it when you gather together. So some people have interpreted that to mean you do it every Sunday. Fine. Some people have said, hey, you should do it on a regular basis. Don't neglect it. Fine. Scripture doesn't say definitively. So the key piece is to look at this and say, what is the, what is the, the teaching of the text? What is the spirit with which you're entering into this particular uh, undertaking this, this particular ritual, if you will. And it is a ritual, and that's okay. It's a ritual that Jesus himself commanded us to participate in. I remember, I don't know if it was here. Mom will probably know the answer to this. I don't remember if it was here or if it was in Arizona at our old church. We used to have a table that we served communion on that actually had in remembrance of me carved in the front of it. And I thought that was kind of neat, right? Setting that idea that, that you know, this is, the, this is the reason that we're doing this. Now, I'll just say uh, as an aside, and I'm not trying to to uh, create uh, church doctrine here on the fly, but I think Dad has said a number of times, as far as who participates in communion, again, you can see that's not specified in scripture. I think it's pretty clear. You need to be of an age and a mental capacity that you can examine yourself, as verse uh, 28 says to do. So um, giving communion to an infant, for example, would be kind of a hard sell for me because I don't know how that infant is supposed to examine themselves. Um, but as far as what age and what mental capacity, we leave that up to you individually, uh, you know, families, you make that decision about who can participate. At what age are they at a, at a point where it's, it's meaningful enough that it makes sense for them to participate? Um, you know, where do you get into that? We're, we're not laying down that particular, it's this many months or this many years as a church. You make that decision as a family, as a father, as a mother. That's, that's, that's your call. That's between you and the Lord. 
Um, so I, I've got one more verse I want to share with you before we get into this. But any, any questions or thoughts or additional commentary? I'm not standing here as a, as a specific authority on this particular passage. You all have sat under this teaching many times. Many, many, many of you have done this many, many more times than I have. Um, so any additional thoughts or anything that you think is, is helpful or important to keep in mind as we, as we participate in the Lord's Supper together? And if not, that's okay, too. It is pretty simple. Okay. Yes, Tom. It doesn't say. It doesn't say. So I think it's, 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 a, it's a good question, right? What's the right way to go about it? And you'll see different practices in different churches. You'll see, I've been to um, home churches where the families all bring their own um, supplies, if you will, for communion and serve them to their own family. Fine. Again, the scripture doesn't say, right? The key piece is that uh, you participate in the, in, the, in the eating and the drinking, that we do it together and that we do it in remembrance of him. Yes. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's telling them, essentially he's telling them, that's why oftentimes we refer to that either as the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper, because he's essentially telling them, like, I- I'm not going to actually have another meal with you guys until, you know, we get there. And um, you probably wouldn't have said it like that, but, but that's, you know, that's what he's communicating is that, hey, the next time we participate in a meal like this, a celebratory meal like this, it will be in glory. And the vines and the grapes and the, and the wine will be heavenly, uh, literally which sounds pretty great. Um, I think there's a heavenly vineyards out there somewhere in the Willamette Valley, but that's not what we're talking about. So that, you know, that is, that is a, a very interesting, an interesting note. I mean, Jesus, again, foreshadowing what was, about to, what was about to occur. We know he cooked fish on the beach or something later on, but he didn't, you know, he didn't really participate in any additional meals with the disciples after that. So. All right, anyone else? Yes. Yes, and we'd be serving actual wine, which I know is controversial. Uh, and uh, now the reclining at the table thing, I mean, you know, it would be easier for some of us than others. It would be an interesting concept. But Barry's exactly right. It's, it, it becomes this question of, well, where's the line? How literally are you going to take that? And I, I, and I do believe that the New Testament teaching, the instructions on the topic, I mean, we just read them. These are the totality of the instructions on the topic. They're pretty straightforward. So keep your focus where it needs to be, which is on the uh, broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ and uh, how that provides for our salvation. Um, and there is a, a, as verse 26 says, there is a proclaiming element to this as well, right? This is something that we do uh, in remembrance, but it's also a way that we, uh, one of the many ways that we declare our salvation, right? I think of things like baptism as well um, and participate in these sort of activities as a body, so. Amen. Amen. Well said. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And actually, Jeff, if you'll flip to that next verse, I think that's the verse in um, Matthew. Now, this is not directly connected to communion, but I thought in the spirit of that, it's a, it's, a, it's a good one to think of. This is Jesus teaching in Matthew 5, 
where he says, therefore, if you're presenting your, sorry about the end, therefore, if you're presenting your offering at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled with your brother and then come and present your offering. Again, same concept, right? This idea that look at your heart, examine your heart. Is there anything there that you need to deal with? And to uh, Grammy's point, uh, Nell's point, you know, we are, we are privileged to be in a position where we are in communion with God all the time. And so we can come before the throne of God right here, right now, uh, in this room, as we will just in just a moment before we partake of the, partake of the bread and, and um, confess anything that needs to be confessed. And we can be right with God in, in, a, in a moment. And that is an incredible, incredible blessing of the Christian life. Uh, so yeah, well said. Thank you. Okay. All right, well, let's, um, I'm trying to think of the order I was going to do this in. I think we have a, one more song, right? Yeah, look at that. All right. Okay, so we'll sing a song, and um, Tom, if we want to, during the song, if we want to go ahead and get the, uh, hold on just one second. The bread together. Yeah, I think so. of the cross I cannot comprehend the agonies of Calvary you the perfect holy one crushed your son drank the bitter cup reserved for me your blood has washed away my sin Jesus thank Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. By your sacrifice I've been brought near your enemy you've made your friend pouring out the riches of your glorious grace your mercy and your kindness know no end your blood has washed away my sin Jesus thank you the Father's wrath Completely satisfied, Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. So in Corinthians eleven twenty four it says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, 
which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, so let's uh, we'll we'll pray and then we'll, we'll pass out the pass out the bread. Um, Barry, would you mind praying before? You? as you receive the bread this morning, I would encourage you to just take a moment and um, just spend a moment in silence, bow your heads, and as my grandmother said here just a moment ago, just put yourself right with God and reflect on his sacrifice as Jesus said to do it in remembrance of him. And then in a moment we'll eat together. Try another hymn on the guitar together. Always an adventure. This is my story, 
is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. I think that was last verse we had. Okay. Um... All right, so 1 Corinthians 11.25 says, In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Tom, would you like to pray for the...
we will um, close with one more song. And uh, I think there's maybe something in church doctrine about not being able to sing this song on a Sunday that is not Easter Sunday. But we'll go ahead and sing it today anyway, because it's very appropriate. I will say to me, as I was practicing this song earlier, um, the second verse was especially meaningful. he lives all fear is gone because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives Father in heaven we come before you just uh, in praise and in remembrance um Thank you so much for the awesome and incredible sacrifice that you made at the cross so that we could spend eternity with you. As the song that we just sang talks about, we thank you for the hope that you give us for tomorrow. We thank you that you wrote down in your inspired word exactly what happens at the end so there's no uncertainty for us. We thank you for the hope that gives us to live in uncertain times and in an uncertain world. To know with certainty 
where we're going, and that you are triumphant, that you're victorious in the end. Lord, thank you for these instructions that you've left with us to gather together and to remember you and to remember your sacrifice. We pray that as we go out into the, the week, as we go out the rest of our day, <clears throat> Lord, that, um, that that remembrance would not be far from our minds. Thank you, Father, in your name. Amen.